0: Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show excited to rewatch and recap it along the way.
1: This week,
0: we're covering season three,
1: episode four. One's got class and the other one dies. The Netflix bio for this episode is, Things get ugly when Lorelai speaks at the high school's career day. To rebel against her conservative mother, Lane does something
0: drastic. And before we get into things, don't forget about our sticker giveaway. Um, You can enter by writing us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and emailing us a screenshot of it to talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com. And also just to add in, you can give us reviews without entering into this sticker giveaway. We would really appreciate it. We are thirsty for our reviews. (laughs) (laughs) Thirsty indeed. So what are your broad thoughts about today's episode? I think so. Part of me wants to call it kind of a filler episode similar to last week's episode, but I enjoyed it a lot more. (laughs) I don't know what it Mm -hmm. was about these storylines or maybe just that we're getting more of Lane's storyline or something, but I had a lot of fun with this episode, I think. What did you think of it? Me too. It did feel like a
1: like I think we're entering into that like middle of the first half of a season where where we'll get a lot of kind of episodes like this and uh, filler. I don't mean in like a bad way either necessarily. But I did find these storylines more appealing. The Lane and Rory with the hair stuff. And also, like, the Shane and the Rory was just, like, a mm-hmm. really juicy conflict to track. Um, though I will say this episode also features a classic, like, will they, won't they storyline with Luke and Lorelai where the yeah. whole thing is, like, "Wow, well, look how close they are, but they're not dating. Um, this one wasn't the most um, entertaining to me. I found it a little aggravating to be honest (laughs) but that's also kind of fun in its own way too to be aggravated (laughs) yeah so i agree i yeah i liked this one
0: well we'll have plenty to talk about that's for sure Mm -hmm. oh yeah (laughs) should we attempt to do our talking fast before we get into things yeah let's talk fast (laughs) and you are going first this
1: week indeed so on the count of three okay one, two,
0: three, go! So, Lane <laughs> Lane has started her band, um, but they have to practice basically in silence at the music store every week, so that's causing some conflict. Jess and Shane are making out all over the place, and Rory continues to be a bit weird and jealous about it. Lorelai is asked to speak at the Stars Hollow High Career Day thing by a PDA mom... What's PTA? I completely forgot the ac- PTA. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't sound right. By a PTA mom who she doesn't recognize at all. And she does that with Luke and it goes badly for her. Lane decides to dye her hair to be uh, independent. Okay. okay. I gave you like extra time. <laughs> I didn't want to count the, the pause. <laughs> my, my brain just like stopped for a second. That's not right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, okay, that happens are you ready to go
1: you know I I am like I wrote the episode notes and I just <laughs> listened to you yet the second you asked me am I ready it's like blank slate what was <laughs> the
0: episode I just watched again but sure yes I think I'm ready <laughs> strange how that happens mm-hmm. okay ready set
1: Okay, so you've got hep alien stuff and problems of the practice room. They need a better space. They want to go to Hartford, but that's really tricky for Lane, so she's trying to figure out a solution. She tries to bring it up with her mom, but... She doesn't, and she applies for schools that she's forced into. That kind of makes her freak out, so she decides to dye her hair in Rebellion. Freaks out about that, though, and dyes it back. Rory's helping her with this. Shane works at the store, so there's some conflict between the two. Luke and Lorelai are doing career day stuff. Lorelai gets in trouble. Sex. Pregnancy. Ah! (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Mm, Well. We're just smooth today. So-so, yeah. (laughs) Let's just slow down. Take things a bit more... Our pace, which is you know, covering an exhaustive detail <laughs> with a couple of anecdotes thrown in. Sounds good. <laughs> um, we open the episode at Luke's, uh, which as we've said is a very common place to open an episode.
0: <laughs> and uh Luke brings over food and calls hamburgers dead cows, which I thought was great and almost got my chest ass attack for the episode.
1: Yeah, that kind of felt like a sprinkling in of the old Luke of like season one. Yeah. And I haven't, I don't think we've really brought it up, but we don't really get his sort of, like, environmental or social justice kind of rants anymore. Like, we do still get the classic, like, Mm -hmm. cranky
0: Luke, but it's not for such fun causes like urban sprawl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, this was a tiny taste of that. Um, (laughs) I also like that Jess was just sitting at the counter reading during all of this, so we get to... Be, I, i'm kind of confused just that rory continues to go and eat there knowing that jess is going to be there but maybe it's like a self-flagellation type of thing where she kind of likes oh, totally. <laughs> just like seeing him she's a
1: big like l- looker like lurker yeah. but looker <laughs> she's like all eyes on him at the end of the scene definitely yeah
0: <laughs> creepy <laughs> Lorelai is complaining about having premonitions. This is similar to last week's episode where in the opening she was talking about her haunted leg. Or a couple weeks ago, Mm -hmm. she was talking about her illness and wanting a haunted leg. This time she's just talking about these premonitions of death that she's been having. The one that I noted was being eaten by a turtle and that it was a very slow business, which sounds torturous.
1: Yeah, it was pretty witty how she opened as well because she's saying i'm in touch with the other side and rory jokes republicans <laughs> oh <my laughs> and gosh. Lorelai's like no you know the other side like premonitions about my death um in general what i noticed even even when i was like a bit bored for last week's episode in general scenes like this one There's such, like, a rhythm to them and, like, a chemistry. Mm -hmm. Like, it seems like all of these scene partners, but in particular, you know, Alexis Bedell and Lauren Graham have, like, got it down. It's so, it's just so good, really. Like, the fast dialogue, it's so, like, charming even when it's kind of,
0: like, nothing, you know? It's just, like, I could watch so many scenes like this. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. We get, like, the little sarcastic interludes from Rory. And (laughs) Lorelai's just continued rants. During the recounting of Lorelai's premonitions, Lane barges in and we find out that she has band practice that night. So she's fully part of Dave Rogowski's band, (laughs) Rogowski. And she's getting really excited about fame. I loved the little like excited tangent she goes on here about how she's going to become famous and then they're going to be complaining about being famous and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we also find out that they're practicing at the music shop, which will come up again. And she steals Rory's hamburger. They didn't look that great. <laughs> yeah, no. But it it was a
1: fun update. And we get more of an actual band practice later. So mm-hmm. looking forward to that. After Lane leaves, Lorelai and Rory decide to leave as well. And as they're out, on their way out, Shane kind of like bursts through the door. Uh, She walks over immediately to Jess, and they begin making out without a word. Um, A little strange, but
0: uh, (laughs) Lorelai
1: observes this and says, the girl's a freak, Um, which is going to be part one of my Friday night dinner critique. Oh,
0: same here. Oh, you did a two part (laughs) even as well. Yeah, I just did, like, a carry-on through the episode. <laughs> oh, wow. We are really on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> what do you have to say about this comment? Um, mine was uh, kind of pointing out how this episode really relies on the not-like-other-girls trope. Mm-hmm. And part of that is really put on Shane. This first comment from Lorelai, like, it, <laughs> the wording could mean oh, she's a freak, like, in a sexually uh, explorative way or something like that. But the tone and the face that they both have while they're saying it really makes it just a negative, and they're just uh, hating on Shane, knowing nothing about her. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that carries on throughout the episode, where Rory displaces all of her own (laughs) discomfort with herself, Onto Shane and like it's this superiority complex about yeah. her, and I, th- I think a similar thing in kind of a different way happens with Lorelai and the moms, um, though mm-hmm. she's slightly more justified in some <laughs> regards there. But like Rory knows nothing about Shane. It's not Shane's fault that Rory didn't do anything, make any move for Jess. So Shane is just an innocent bystander in this whole love triangle. She should be angry at... Rory should be angry at herself, if anybody, because yeah. it's her fault. <laughs> I agree <laughs> what, completely. What thought.
1: I was like team Shane and even team Debbie. Like, I'm glad that you connect mm-hmm. the moms to this. Like, until the very end when the moms are kind of like <laughs> on that tirade against Lorelai for daring to talk about pregnancy... But in terms of the like the critique in this scene, I just feel like this this episode features like the very confused sex politics of Gilmore Girls, you know, (laughs) because Mm -hmm. you've got Lorelai here. Like I would really call this like slut shaming is how I read it. Like she's judging Shane for going to make out with Jess. And it seems hypocritical to me because we know Lorelai herself was like active as a Teen. Like she got pregnant, her and Chris mm-hmm. had a lot of fun in that realm, you know? So it's a bit hypocritical. Um, which then had me thinking though, like, is this intentional on the writer's part? Like a move for characterization? Like, we know that Lorelai and Rory both can be a bit like self delusional. <laughs> um, so I'm <laughs> yeah. like, oh, if I'm trying to be kind, like perhaps this is meant to be part of the thing of like Lorelai is so for Rory so in defense of Rory that she is kind of like taking on this animosity towards Shane and it's meant to be like a character flaw for sure I think that's one way to read it um but then I was also kind of thinking like or am I critiquing the writers because I almost kind of feel like they want Lorelai to be this like stand in for us the viewer to like offer the perspective that we're supposed to have Mm -hmm. like we're kind of aligned with our main characters and our main characters are having all of these, like, us, like, observations about Shane at this point, judging her so harshly. I kind of feel like they do want us to feel that way about Shane. But, you know, so Mm -hmm. many years later, we're, like, culturally, we're quite on the whole, like, thing about, like, not like other girls. I feel like is a very common thing for most of us to, like, spot these days, you know? So I think it really, like falls flat for us now and we are Mm -hmm. kind of like justice for Shane um later on like justice for Lindsay like I don't think they anticipated they're pretty blonde basic girls to have us
0: be so defensive (laughs) of them but like we are now (laughs) yeah Shane also seems like just kind of a badass like she does Mm -hmm. seem kind of compatible with Jess in that area where Rory is not and any in like rory's not a badass um jess is so he and shane seem to get on that way but also we get the same wording repeated at the very end of the episode yeah by shane. i like that parallel dialogue a lot yeah and how it's flipped in the end yeah i feel like it's much more justified for her at the end but we'll get yeah. there
1: <laughs> and when she says freak she means like why is this this fellow teenager who gave me, like, a really hard time at work, like, her meaning of freak is so different than what I read as Lorelai's meaning of freak here, which is, like, a yeah. horny girl.
0: <laughs> yeah. Also, it just, I have, hadn't noticed before now, but freak as an adjective has changed meaning so much mm. <laughs> since the early 2000s. It used to be, like, the freaks and geeks kind of, like... Freak is uh, an insult, whereas now freak is more, it usually is just used in, like, the sexual context, and it's not really seen as so much of an insult as it was, like, in the early 2000s. So that's just an interesting word that has changed so much over the past 20 years, I think.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a good observation. And on the note of Shane being a badass as well, I also have her nominated for my Lorelai's closet. Um, In this scene, I really liked um, a lot of her looks, in particular her hair throughout the episode. She's mm-hmm. got a few different hairstyles. Here, it's like kind of this really curly sort of like I think hairspray was involved because it's got good volume, almost <laughs> like maybe like a Marilyn Monroe sort of look to her hair yeah Um, clearly I don't work at a beauty supply store I don't know how to (laughs) describe hairdos (laughs) but I also in terms of clothing really liked her purse which felt very 2000s to me it had like all of this fringe hanging off of it which is not for me but I thought it was a great look for her (laughs) and like a corduroy sort of jacket that was the same kind of brown color as a purse and still rocking, like, some good jeans she's got, too. So I her outfit was further evidence to me of Lorelai's hypocrisy here because I see a lot about Lorelai in shame. Like a yeah, young, free spirit, flirty, confident, stylish, interested in, like, hair and makeup and all of that stuff.
0: And it's like, you're in denial for maybe a lot of reasons, but yeah. <laughs> Disappointing of Lorelai, but also not not unexpected <laughs> yeah
1: but then the confusing thing is Lorelai will have like rather sex positive views by the end of the episode so that's kind of why yeah. I did a part two and I'm interested in the confusion and the con- like conflicting views that she can hold like <laughs> she has such good mm-hmm. and bad moments in the episode
0: yeah that's true
1: <laughs> all right a lot to say for that first scene really <laughs> I know
0: first like two minutes <laughs> mm-hmm. The next scene, we are in the music store and band practicing is, band practice is happening. Um, but everybody is playing super muted. Lane is barely hitting her drums. It sounds like somebody just turned the volume way down (laughs) on like a, uh, barbershop court, uh, or not barbershop, but like, uh lounge kind of music or something oh, yeah. we get we meet zach who is our lead singer and guitarist and then we meet brian who we are friends with mm-hmm. i'll just say mm-hmm. <laughs> um, friend just of the kidding. pod brian <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so we meet both of them i i also i know that a lot of people don't like zach and i think i've said this before but i i am a zach fan nice not all the time but, I also just want to say his vocals in this scene, even singing super quietly, I thought it was great. Like, yeah, you can really see the future for the band. I don't know if that's him seeing or, um, I think it is him seeing, actually, so. at least in this scene. but yeah, I liked this introduction to the band, even though they were playing so quietly, which really aggravated, especially Zach.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was good to meet the two new characters of the band. Brian's comment I've got a deviated septum all the women in my family and me have it which is pretty funny yeah running bit I think about his like illnesses and how the character is a bit awkward in comparison then Zach is a bit more like loud spoken very like passionate yeah. about the band I think would be the kind way to put it <laughs> but I don't blame him for wanting yeah. to perform music at a normal volume so This, like, introduces the central conflict for the band, which is, like, we need a better practice space. And I think Lane understandably reacts a bit defensively against this because Mm -hmm. she's, like, in the band on these really strict... um, this like very, I don't know, maintained schedule she has where she can do it because it's in Stars Hollow. She can sneak away quickly. She can do it because it's quiet and Mrs. Kim won't be able to hear. So when they're talking about going to practice in Hartford, it's going to be a lot harder for her to fib (laughs) and cover up her absences, you know. Um, So Mm -hmm. Dave takes her aside outside to talk about this a bit individually. uh, They don't really like come to a resolution Of course, it's a real problem. But I did think um, this like individual conversation between the two of them had some nice signs of like their growing relationship. He says like he especially doesn't want her to leave, which is nice. And later on, she tells him he's sweet. Uh, This is like the only interaction between them. But she'll talk about her crush on him later on to Rory. So it's just fun to track that
0: continuing developing love story between the two. Yeah, he is such a, like, a good guy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There's pretty much nothing to critique him over and how he treats Lane, especially.
1: Yeah. Or even how he treats the band, because Lane is like, aren't you in charge? (laughs) And he's like, "Uh, well, this is a democracy, you know, so I can't really just
0: command them around. So he's a good guy all around. (laughs) Yeah. Even though, as Lane says, they do sound like a bunch of wankers. Which I just loved that little Britishism. <laughs> so, our next scene is picking up on the same issue, but we're in Lane's closet, which is an awesome closet. We like pan mm. in through her room, which is very sparse and clean. And then inside the closet, there's like pink light, there's a kind of disco ball type light effect happening she's playing music she's got pillows all over the place it just looks so like comfy and I don't know like a forbidden place really yeah in in that house especially
1: I was excited that we saw that again because I think we saw it in like season one or so and I don't know if we've seen it maybe just like only once or twice but I really love it I love how it expresses like it uses space to express the two sides mm-hmm. and lives of Lane. It begs the question: Does Mrs. Kim never open her closet?
0: I know she seems yeah, like a parent that's, who would,
1: that's a bit. <laughs> but I'm i la- I'm yeah. going to just suspend my disbelief and let this one be cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think we have to. <laughs> I thought this scene had a lot of great, like, uh, cinem- cinematography or mm-hmm. just like directorial uh, aspects to it because had that pan in and then her closet and then also while she's talking on the phone with Rory when one of them is speaking you hear the music in their Mm. place and then when the other person is speaking you hear the other music and that's just such a cool representation of like how Lane especially communicates through her music and how she's feeling and stuff but also how that's her and Rory's kind of shared language is through the music that they're listening to yeah, and how that reflects their uh, emotions at the time. And Mm. I don't think I've seen that or heard that in any other phone scene. Like, usually if there's any background noise, it's, you know, street noise or something like that in scenes with phones. But I've never consciously noticed a big switch like that. That was, like, super uh intentional and like definitely a a big choice by the um director and Mm -hmm. potentially difficult to do i don't really know how that kind of sound mixing works but Mm -hmm. i really liked it yeah it's cool (laughs) yeah that's such a good point i didn't think about
1: that so much at the time as i was watching it but it was a really great stylistic choice and added to the scene like you're saying But their conversation is interrupted by another call. So they hang up and Rory feels a call from one miss, Mrs. Probably Debbie Fincher, mother of Kathy. (laughs) (laughs) She's calling for Lorelai. So Rory goes to give her the phone and this begins this running bit that Lorelai does not remember Debbie at all. And this is when I'm still on team Debbie because she seems like a perfectly nice person she remembers Lorelai specifically for Lorelai's personality and like how amused they were every time Lorelei was around they say they miss her like she's remembering her for positive things it seems like she really likes Lorelai and she even has thought of her to come speak at career day which is essentially like a prominent business someone of success like comes to talk to students which is like such a flattering thing to be asked to do so her immediate like all of these quips about debbie um how she says all stars hollow moms look alike which again i thought was like "Mm," but then we see them later on it was like okay um (laughs) yeah
0: maybe in this circumstance (laughs) yeah 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 i i'm on the same page as you i like (laughs) i don't know if i necessarily like debbie personally Mm. myself but there was nothing wrong with her and she she seemed like a perfectly nice person and you're right like the fact that she had all of these memories specifically about Lorelai and Lorelai I think kind of stubbornly continued to not remember her is just yeah. so unlikely and it shows her kind of disdain for anybody who doesn't like pop out and have this huge personality which it's just as somebody who has like a more quiet personality, I hate I hate when people just don't recognize that people are themselves if they're not mm. loud and bombastic um yeah. like Lorelai is.
1: Yeah, it's definitely like a classic theme on like I don't know, Burbia or white womanhood <laughs> of this type of mom. PTA mom that is like oh they're so like they all conform they're so like uniform and one that they have no personality no interiority whatsoever and Mm -hmm. that's what they're going for here definitely when we see them later on they all have the same style of sweater the same haircut Um, and sometimes I feel like that's an effective theme to pursue sometimes it's a little lacking in nuance and I think It has a bit of both of those things in this episode. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see where she goes. (laughs) The last scene we get from this day is Lane following her conversation with Rory. She's heading downstairs and going to approach Mrs. Kim. And then she chickens out and tries to give herself like a pep talk on the stairs. But then is interrupted by Mrs. Kim, who insists she should come down for tea. And there's a bit of nervousness in Lane as she's trying to work up talking about the band she's really stumbling over her words like saying a lot but saying nothing but mrs kim is not even really like paying attention because she's about to like break to lane like oh, I've got all of these college applications for you that the reverend and I picked out and approve of. And they're all these like really religious schools. She says she didn't include any party schools, which in her definition (laughs) is the ones where boys and girls can sit together at the cafeteria. So uh, yeah, they're really leaning very hard into the mrs kim is conservative which they even included Mm -hmm. in the bio and didn't call her by name which i thought was a little weird Mm -hmm. but yeah this is very much like the height of her control over lane i always kind of wonder as we've discussed before about this characterization of mrs kim as so controlling and conservative as it's tied to her identity as a korean woman in stars hollow you know
0: yeah it's interesting that this is how they're portraying like, the second-generation immigrant kind of story that I think is universal for people with that experience, like, trying to um, marry the two cultures and, like, having your parents from a fairly different culture than the one you've grown up in. Mm-hmm. But they never, like, really talk about that as the, yeah. what's actually going on. With their, what, seem, what they acknowledge is going on is just that Mrs. Kim is super strict, though I, I I think at the jumping way ahead at the wedding episode when Mrs. Kim's mom comes, we see like a slightly different side to this. Yeah, but that's like what we want more of,
1: like you're saying, them to go deeper into this. Yeah. So having her mom come around is an example of like what we would want from them. So yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I did feel really bad for lane during this scene and you can just tell like maybe up until this point she held out hope that she would be able to start asserting her independence once she graduated high school Mm -hmm. but this scene kind of confirms that there's no way out really at least no way out that she can see that she like feels comfortable with taking in a direct kind of way so it totally explains why she does what she does for the rest of the series I think. I have a question for you. One of the applications asks (laughs) if you meet
1: Jesus walking on the street what are the three questions you'd like to ask? Suzanne what are the
0: three questions you'd like to ask? (laughs) Oh gosh this is a big theological Mm. conundrum. You know maybe if I were religious I would have an answer to this.
1: (laughs) Yeah I don't know if I really have any three questions I was probably just gonna come up with something silly like oh um where's
0: the nearest taco bell (laughs) (laughs) what's your favorite kind of dessert I don't know (laughs) how do how do we know he's Jesus though does he have a sign that says hello I'm Jesus the Hmm. honestly a question
1: yeah a question I would have is like are you really annoyed by all of the like visual representation of you as this like white dude yeah I'd want to know his opinion about that probably
0: yeah I'd want to know what language he speaks people continually debate over that yeah so okay we got a couple questions do you really watch people all the time (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right we'll put a pin in that (laughs) so next we show up in the inn where Lorelai is uh preparing for her presentation She's taking it very seriously and has note cards laid out and Michelle, of course, is making fun of her for it. During this kind of back and forth from Michelle and Lorelai, Luke calls and he is trying to back out. So we get to see Lorelai's persuasiveness kind of in action. She mostly can just guilts him into coming, like guilting him that he would be disrupting her own reputation. And then she goes into a, a Louis Armstrong uh, impression, which I thought was a bit strange, mm-hmm. um, but it it got Luke. Actually, it didn't get Luke. She never gave him an opportunity to answer, <laughs> so he's just stuck doing it.
1: Yeah, and she had said part of what he agreed under coercion earlier. Because she had been doing, like, baby talk, which she does later oh my on. Gosh. Again, and it's just not for me. Not for me at all. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that'll be one part of why I didn't find their, like, interactions, like, that appealing to me in this episode because mm-hmm. a lot of it was just kind of, like, aggravating.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Of the yeah. choices Lorelai makes, uh, which we see more of in the next scene with the two of them. She goes to Luke's to, like, pick him up essentially it's already four she says so they're gonna be late and she's insisting <laughs> that he change his clothes um so they go upstairs and like there's a lot going on here to unpack i mean <laughs> well i just want to bracket so bracket okay. luke and lorelei for a minute they enter and you see jess walk across the room and mm-hmm. I would say he's, like, adjusting his belt waistband area. (laughs) And then later on, Lorelai reveals the knowledge that he has a girl in the closet. So I, like, rewatched the scene, and you do hear, like, the closet door creak at a couple moments as, like, evidence of this. So I will just say, like, I don't know. I think they're getting a little hot and heavy, the two Mm -hmm. of them. So there, you got that element to the scene, and then to unbracket the other element is that (laughs) Lorelai's being like very bossy, like telling Luke what to put on. Um, She adds in like this weird baby talk thing about if he's like a good boy, he'll get a toy, which is like it reminded me actually of her and Max doing the student teacher thing, and we were both like, "Yuck!" I mean, to each their own thing but both of these like imply this age difference that I'm just not cool with (laughs) but Mm -hmm. and she also then makes a big deal not a big deal but she kind of makes a weird comment about how she's seen him without a shirt on before so why does he go in the bathroom Mm -hmm. to change and he's like I'm more comfortable here overall there were just like some really weird
0: vibes coming from Lorelai what did you think about she was like (laughs) she's so invasive (laughs) She just comes in there as if she does this all the time, which maybe sometimes she does. But we haven't really seen her up there since maybe Before Rachel the was in town. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, I don't know. It also does really give Jess fodder for what he's saying later on, which is that Luke just does whatever Lorelai tells him to, which is exactly mm-hmm. what happens here. And I thought that Lorelai was also... I don't know, maybe like putting her nervous energy on Luke because he seemed perfectly fine to go do this talk in what he was already wearing, which I That's think is point. perfectly respectable. Yeah, I, I agree. I didn't really like it. I also didn't like that Jess was trying to like have a conversation with Lorelai. Like he kept trying to exchange quips with her, and she was really cold to him. Hmm. I don't remember the exact lines, but at one point he said something. And she, her response was just, like, short and cold. And he says, like, okay, and turns back around and ignores. And it's like, he was trying here. You know, Lorelai never tries with Jess. So I just thought that was... Yeah, I also was not enjoying Lorelai in this scene. I'll say that. She had a nice suit on, though. Yeah. It's, like, pinstriped.
1: I had, like, a different read on the Lorelai and Jess interactions. Like, I actually thought... I was surprised that Jess was kind of quipping with her and trying to do a bit of back and forth. And I kind of thought connected that to his ruse, like he's trying to like move them I'm along, like get them out. <laughs> like, we don't need any more, like, whatever. I need you to get out the door so Shane can come out of the closet. And one of the weird mm-hmm. interactions between them, which I agree, like, her responses weren't always, like, perfectly conversational, but... I don't know maybe I just needed to turn my volume up because the second time I watched the scene (laughs) you hear like a squeak from the closet door and Lorelai looks over there and then Jess asks like is there something wrong and she kind of like hesitates and I think you can tell like she's like should I address it should I not and she just kind of just says Mm -hmm. no and then he goes back to reading after that and I (laughs) kind of read in that Lorelai's like just is not my problem anymore. A little bit, like mm-hmm. I think she is kind of glad he's onto a different girl in her own way, rather than Rory. But of course, like she has to tell Luke in the end, which was pretty funny. Where they're yeah. like out the door, going downstairs, and she's like, "Move on, move ahead," even after she's dropped this <laughs> like bomb on him.
0: Yeah, he doesn't seem to quite comprehend what she means no. <laughs> in the moment. He's although in he comes around to it later. <laughs> It makes me wonder what Luke as a teenager was like. Like, did he never sneak a girl up to his room or something or like sneak into a girl's room or whatever? Maybe he did. And that's why he decides to have the
1: talk later on. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, maybe. The last thing I would add about this scene is that I placed my Rory's bookshelf here, which I had a hard time deciding what to do in this episode with that, Mm -hmm. but... Just his, you know, part of just his cover story here is that he's studying, and he's just got this giant like chemistry textbook that he's supposedly <laughs> reading, and there's no way uh-huh. in hell that's actually what he
0: reads. And I just yeah. thought that was really funny. <laughs> I didn't even notice what it was. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> reading textbooks like that as somebody who's not very good with that kind of stuff is like torture. Yeah. But okay, so next we go to Stars Hollow High and we meet up with Debbie again again she's like recounting all of these great interactions that she remembers from Lorelai and Lorelai attempts to pretend that she remembers any of them Luke this whole time is just kind of like chuckling next to, <laughs> next to her cuz he can tell that Lorelai's faking it yeah what do you mean she doesn't remember the <laughs> book fair of 97 <laughs> <laughs> yeah by the way book fairs Like, those are some core childhood memories. Mm -hmm. Scholastic book fairs, those things were amazing. Like, the best day of the year. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Anyways, my Stars Hollow moment happens within this scene. Mine does too. (laughs) But we don't, we will come back to the context for it later, but it is just Lorelai walking down the hallway in Stars Hollow High, looking around and seeing, darting through the town square where they're starting to put up pumpkins is lane with bleach in her hair just like running through the town square and that was something that i think would only happen in stars hollow uh i loved it <laughs>
1: i think there's this book like called imagine communities and it's like a big well-known whatever in American yeah lit. but yeah I also use that dude (laughs) oh yeah yeah Uh, the idea of like the meanwhile is a strategy you can use to give a sense of like a real community multiple people etc and that's just a fancy way to say I think it's so funny that you've got like this scene and then they (laughs) use the window and pan over to like another storyline happening it gives the great sense of like this is a town full of people all having Mm -hmm. their own lives etc very well done yeah loved it (laughs)
0: We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. Are you ready to take a stand? Make a change in your life that everyone can see? Shout out to the world, this is me! Well, here at Stars Hollow Beauty Supply, we have just the instrument for your Independence Day hair dye. Be it pink, blue, purple, here you can find your true color, one that will help you really express yourself. Due to recent demand, we're also offering a money-back
1: guarantee. In the extremely unlikely chance that all your hair falls out after using one of our products, you'll get a full refund of your money. Again, we'd like to state that this is really not likely, however, we did recently hear that one of our customers totally bleached her hair, dyed it, then dyed it a second time in the same day. This is not the kind of healthy hair habits that we'd encourage, so make sure you make good
0: choices on the route to great hair. And lastly, you might have heard that our customer service is, quote, unfreaking believable in a bad way. But we assure you that that review came from a disgruntled customer who was displacing her jealousy onto our poor employee. For the record, we actually encourage our employees to read magazines or have personal phone calls when there aren't any customers in the store because, hey... Here at Stars Hollow Beauty Supply, we consider an enjoyable workplace a beautiful thing. For listeners of Talking Fast, we've got a special offer. If you're ready to make a
1: clear statement today, come get some hair dye from us. We'll throw in a complimentary set of bleach and gloves for you. Just stop by the store at the counter and use code PURPLE.
0: Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Um, so then, they Lorelai and Luke have to sit down and wait for their turn to come to go in and discuss in this career fair thing, which I think is like I'm a little bit confused about the organization of this whole thing. Me too. It doesn't seem to actually be a career fair. It seems to be more like a let's gather maybe some particular seniors into a room and talk to them because it w- couldn't have even been like a whole senior class um, Luke and Lorelai sit outside waiting and Luke we find out absolutely hated going to school here as I think a lot of people think about their high school years <laughs> either people loved high school or hated high school mm-hmm. and he I also just think Luke hated it. hates a lot
1: of things you know <laughs> so it true. didn't really it tracked for me in terms yeah. of his character <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's true <laughs> Lorelai does stand up, though, look into a trophy case and see some pictures of historical Luke in a kind of skimpy track uniform, and then she goes on this, like, little uh, voice tangent, calling him Butch Danes and doing, like, her weird flirty bimbo voice and Yeah, stuff. this
1: time it, I described it in my notes as southern floozy, I think that was oh, the voice yeah. she was doing here and pretend she's joking about like your girlfriend sissy which is such a weird I don't know but I actually kind of I like your point about her being so over the top about some of this stuff as a way to kind of like channel her nervous energy mm-hmm. about the speech that's coming up I didn't really think about it that way I was kind I just kept wondering like why is she, why is she being so weird about these things but I think that is definitely a big reason
0: yeah I think this is such a big moment for her because her parents never acknowledge that she's a success and I think half the time she also doesn't acknowledge that she's actually like become successful except when she's trying to defend herself against her parents yeah so to have like some complete third party acknowledge that she's like a somebody to look up to in career success I think she's like super excited and nervous Yeah
1: like I did find it touching that she was like writing the speech she dressed up for Mm -hmm. it she's got her like note cards and maybe she is giving Luke such a hard time and making fun of him so much because she sees like he doesn't even want to do it he's so calm about (laughs) it he doesn't have notes he's just gonna wing it like yeah I don't know like it is kind of a big moment for her and he's treating it like Mm -hmm. it's not for him which is fair to him but like there definitely is that contrast between the two and that's why it's so tragic that it ultimately like goes so off the rails for her (laughs) yeah it really does but that leads to the question of the organization of this whole event because let's just say we go in Lorelai's first to give her speech it starts off fairly well like it's a fairly like standard speech at the start um and then all these kids in the audience just begin to ask questions like unprompted and Lorelai asks Debbie who's sitting in there like oh is this okay and she's like yeah questions are encouraged but then all of these questions are like interrupting the flow of her speech they're not on topic
0: and Mm -hmm. they just keep
1: coming and then Debbie starts to like tell Lorelai oh you need to speed it up or Lorelai apologizes for being unorganized but it's like she wasn't unorganized it's just the yeah. where was the moderator like yeah, <laughs> save the questions true. for the end yeah. or have them be <laughs> relevant I don't know um and most of the questions are all like about are you Rory's mom were you pregnant as a teen I'm like how did they even mm-hmm. know this I don't know but then a lot of questions about like do you regret it all well, all of this stuff and it's just so it's so odd but Lorelai does kind of get caught up in trying to answer them she's getting really flustered Later on, the moms will say she told them all to get pregnant as a teen, essentially, which really so. is taking her out of context. But the last thing I'll say about this is I I think it was kind of rude the way that the students were interrupting her with these questions. And clearly, their are personal questions that were kind of like messing her up. I think anyone could tell like she was uncomfortable. But I will say like these are curious teenagers and they're actually hitting mm-hmm. the center of part of Lorelai's success story that she wasn't talking about like she's talking about how to like manage an inn and stuff but the core of her success is that she did have this obstacle as a teenager and still continued to be like self-educated pursued higher education worked hard etc etc so I there was that kind of like duality to this moment a bit of like They are actually, like, curious about the central thing to her unique story, you know? So Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts about this whole thing?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I pretty much agree with you. I also thought that the student questions kind of spoke to a larger (laughs) issue in education, specifically sex education for, Mm -hmm. I mean, all grade levels, um, that I think is just getting more prevalent today just because we now have the awareness of how badly our sex education has failed from like this time period, especially when um, you were like taught kind of just anatomy and maybe some stuff about puberty and then basically nothing actually about sex. (laughs) Maybe some abstinence stuff or like use condoms, but that was basically it. And these kids are showing that they have a big need to like learn more learn about people's actual experiences and they want to actually talk about this kind of stuff and it's part of like what made the moms later so aggravating is because they were like attacking Lorelai basically for being a a woman who has sex Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like who can be kind of proven to be sexually active and to have been sexually active at a teen like when she was a teenager rather than you know addressing the fact that maybe this just means that the students need a bit more education they need a safer space to talk about this kind of stuff and Lorelai almost proposes that like at one point she says you know, maybe we can talk about this some other time over coffee. But then she looks over and sees Debbie and her like disgruntled face. And then mm-hmm. Lorelai continues by saying, "Talk about coffee and how like you shouldn't even even be having sex at all or something like that,"
1: <laughs> yeah. which is
0: unrealistic. I don't know. I think I'm sad that Lorelai didn't give get to give her real presentation. But I think you mm-hmm. are also right that she was kind of jumping over some of the big things that made her career unique and also like maybe more relatable to some people not that all the not that probably any of the students in that room would have her same storyline but yeah they'd also have you know obstacles that they'd have to over to have to overcome and luke does i'm sure luke's presentation didn't really talk that much about obstacles to overcome no (laughs) so that could have been an opportunity but yeah i think it just uh showed a lot of different things that are lacking generally in education. Mm-hmm. After the talk,
1: when they're walking back, the crew of moms walks up and Debbie has like really taken a turn in terms of her like kindness and empathy toward Lorelei. It's like you saw it in the room. You described her disgruntled face. And it's like once Lorelei started to talk about this perceived like taboo topic, it's like, Debbie totally changed her tune and is very anti-Lorelei now. Whereas before she liked how like outspoken she was, but you're right, she dared to talk about sex. And it's like she's really flipped the switch. And she brought the whole crew of moms with her. And they're angry at Lorelai. I think like very misplaced. For daring to talk about these topics when they don't want to like realize it's their kids who brought up all of these mm-hmm. questions it's their own kids who have the interest and want to talk about these things so it's very like they're very obviously out of um out of line and just not aware in denial etc etc and this is where Lorelai mm-hmm. is like defending herself and I would say this is like the part two of where My critique kind of comes full circle here because this is the place where like we see Lorelai used to represent some positive sex politics here such as like I could show them how to put a condom on and like um all this different stuff so it's like this is a good place to give like a thumbs up to Lorelai
0: and her perspective here Mm -hmm. yeah she says like she doesn't gloss over things just because they're uncomfortable and I I agree. At this point, I was like, most of this speech, I was like, good for Laura Except at one point, she does make a Nazi joke, which I was just <laughs> a little. I I thought in season one or two, she told Emily, "You can't joke about Nazis." Um, I wish she had remembered her own mm. advice because it's never in good taste. No, Laura compares herself to Poland and the children
1: to the Nazis and you see like a reaction shot from one of the moms who was so like oh my god how could you call my children I don't it was not good but I
0: did I it wasn't good but I did (laughs) chuckle a little bit at her face this during this whole interaction Luke is kind of standing there watching and I liked that he just kind of stood by and because once Lorelai got going, she was, like, great at defending herself. And he even asks before walking away, like, <laughs> do you have this? <laughs> and Lorelai continues on berating these women. I thought these women were kind of stereotypical, which what we these days would call Karens. Mm-hmm. Which, sadly, when you see a Karen, they often do actually fulfill the stereotype and these women kind of did in this circumstance but I think we our critique still stands that the show is specifically trying to do this whole not like other girls routine here with Lorelai as well Mm -hmm. not like other moms (laughs) yeah exactly like she's the cool mom she is willing to talk about sex and I think that's just it does a disservice to everybody else really by saying like Mm -hmm. only a certain people like that she's the only cool one who could do this everybody else is just a mindless automaton basically Mm
1: -hmm. right it's a bit it's like a very flat kind of representation Mm -hmm. and like lacking an imagination to think every single mom at Sars hollow high is like debbie or the modern day karen like if you've got a lorelei (laughs) you've got I don't know. Like, this is the same town that's got Miss Patty and Babette in it. Like, you're telling me there <laughs> aren't other women
0: or, you know, yeah, we could go on. Yeah. But I completely agree with that. <laughs> My uh, gazebo moment was actually kind of the moment when Luke says, are you good here? And then leaves into this next scene for a weird reasons. So, mm. Luke goes upstairs and he starts, like, checking the closets, the corners. <laughs> Jess asks if he's looking for monsters. Um, and then Luke asks him out, right, if Shane was there. Jess says yes. Um, and then this interaction is really interesting. So Jess says that he never asked Shane to get in the closet. She just freaked out and went in. Luke starts to say that they need to have, you know, the talk kind of about uh, what Jess can be doing and stuff like that. And then Luke says that he, that Jess needs to start thinking about Shane more. And I thought that this is what I liked. (laughs) Luke's kind of standing up for Shane as Mm -hmm. being somebody who's like another person in this relationship, which Jess doesn't seem to really recognize, but at the same time they seem to have an agreement that this is just like a make out relationship but (laughs) Jess talks about how he doesn't care about her at all um he doesn't even know her last name yeah (laughs) Luke Luke gets really upset by this he's like you can't just treat treat a girl like that so Luke is really my hero in this scene Mm -hmm. and Jess I am disappointed in um Jess does say though like the girls he likes don't give a damn about him we obviously know who he's talking about Mm-hmm. And then just, like, turns the tables and starts going after Luke for exactly what we were talking about earlier, just kind of being obsessed with Lorelei, clearly never going after her, doing whatever she says, that kind of stuff. But I was just very happy that we get, like, this representation of Luke who's defending a woman against kind of toxic masculinity in a way, like... Mm you need to acknowledge that she's a person that she has feelings and that she you know is part of this relationship and should have a say you should know her last name yeah so that that's my my gazebo moment was just luke being a good guy (laughs) yeah yeah i thought this was like a fascinating scene between the two
1: of them i had like a few different random thoughts the first is that i had a just sass attack in this scene (laughs) based on what you're talking about earlier, how Jess said Shane jumped in the closet of her own accord. And he says, hey, women, right? Can't live with them. Can't keep them from jumping in the closet. Which is just such a funny (laughs) turn of phrase. (laughs) That Jess is very much like, of course he's deflecting from this real talk about a relationship by using humor. Um, And Mm -hmm. it doesn't work because then, you know, Luke is more direct than that. So then... As they're talking, my second thought was like Jess's defense of saying we're just hanging out made me think about how today's kids would call this a situationship. <laughs> oh, yeah. True. <laughs> would we'll describe what Shane and Jess are doing. And then another thought is that Jess, another defense he has is like, because Luke asks, like, are you OK with treating her badly like dirt, which was Lorelai's phrasing, treating someone like dirt, which is interesting. Um, And Jess is like, well, she treats me badly, too. That's just, like, what the thing is. But the thing is, I don't think Shane does treat him badly. And I think maybe Jess isn't self-aware enough to realize that. Like, maybe he thinks they're both going into this relationship with only the sex or the making out in mind. But earlier on the phone, which we'll talk about in a minute, Shane says, like, she's nice to him and he's mean to her. So I I don't think she treats him badly. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And then lastly, I did like how the scene ended with the like kind of like the dramatic irony or just the presentation of this parallel between, you know, Jess is to Rory as Luke is to Lorelai and Jess kind of mm-hmm. making the stand of saying like, I'm not going to get caught up in that. But he's using a woman to like make the stand. So it is kind of problematic in the end. Um, yeah. <laughs> And last, last thought is I'm rewatching Gossip Girl right now. And it kind of made me think mm. about how Dan and Serena have the same kind of thing going on as Rufus and Lily in this in a similar way. But then at one point, Lily and Rufus are like married. So Dan and Serena are stepkids who are <laughs> also into each other and like yeah. their parents. And like <laughs> that kind of happens in this show eventually. Like if people want <laughs> Jess and Rory to get together in the revival like they're kind of step siblings yeah. right? but it's his nephew i guess so it's not but
0: yeah <laughs> yeah some like weird taboo fantasies or something <laughs> that's strange how often that pops up in teen shows
1: mm.
0: very weird <laughs> okay are we done with the lorelei storyline do you think i think we are done now we can
1: rewind the clock to track the Rory and Lane storyline.
0: Meanwhile. <laughs> <laughs> so we pick back up with Lane and Rory um, walking around town and Lane is telling Rory all about the colleges that her mom is having her apply to. There's like the Seven Day Seventh Day Adventist, the Quaker school. She says there's even an Amish school. I think a lot of this is just for drama. I don't know that there are these, (laughs) many of these things at least, but there might be also. I don't, I don't know that much about religious schools. I also noticed during this as they're walking through the town square that pumpkins are going up. So we are Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the fall season and stars hollow. We love to see it. (laughs) But Lane is just kind of going on about how she's so fed up with her life and she power walks into a beauty shop which we've never seen before but I hope we see again I liked it and here we have my Rory's bookshelf moment because she goes straight to the hair dye and she's picking up manic panic hair dye which is exactly what I used to use in high school really it was like the there weren't that many brands you could get for colorful hair dye mm-hmm. um it was like manic panic and a couple others but manic panic was at hot topic and you could also get it at like sally's beauty supply and stuff mm-hmm. so it was the easiest one to get that's awesome actually
1: i did want to ask you about your experience you have dark hair like lane and you also have experience dyeing your hair from what i know <laughs> Is it realistic that Lane would go, like, to the purple that she gets by the end of the episode? No. Okay. That's what I thought, No, I don't know. Not yeah. at all.
0: <laughs> and to be completely transparent, I dye my hair now. My hair is, like, a light brown <laughs> naturally. Mm. But oh. when I was in high school mm-hmm. and, like, dyeing my hair, um, I would bleach it. And it did get a lot lighter than the wig that they put on Lane. Um, because I was starting from lighter hair, but it also never turned out so vibrant mm-hmm. as that purple wig. There's just no way you need to be able to get it all the way down to like platinum, which really you couldn't do by yourself unless mm-hmm. you started from light blonde hair because you would just fry your hair, which I did many times. Yeah. <laughs> but you need to have that professionally done um Mm -hmm. so no very unrealistic but I loved it anyways (laughs) it's
1: still a fun storyline though and I (laughs) really enjoyed the different wigs they had the her bleached hair wig looked really fake and then the purple hair (laughs) did look fake but it was such such a fun color um a podcaster I like um that I, I think we've talked about before. She does like the ringer verse and her specific podcast is called the House of R and they do like Game of Thrones oh, yeah. and Rings of Power and stuff. And she does a segment uh, called wig watch where she like either says yeah. if it's a good wig or a bad wig, which I love. And I was just thinking of like if we're doing a wig watch for this show, I'd say both of these were bad wigs that they give <laughs> later on. But They serve the purpose of the storyline and she's like very clearly back to her real hair at the end
0: like nothing ever happened which I kind of just love you know like (laughs) yeah they probably got both of these wigs from like Party City or something like that I don't think their budget was extensive (laughs) if it
1: was they didn't Uh, use it on her hair
0: (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) So that's what they pick up at the store. We also find out that Shane works at the store. She's the cashier. Yeah. I think it's like it fits with the persona that we see of her. Like she's got, Mm -hmm. as you were talking about earlier, she's always got great hairstyles. And she kind of seems like somebody who would work at a beauty supply store, but also kind of like edgy. So yeah. Yeah.
1: I also just loved how it was such a seamless way to work this character into the storyline without it feeling Mm -hmm. forced. But I love that they're like, yeah, what would it look like if Rory encountered Shane on her own? She's been so jealous of her from afar, like what kind of conversation would unfold? And we see that across their two (laughs) scenes. But I had a, I had a question for you, like before we get into like what they talk about, like, How much do you think Shane knows about Rory? Because we've seen how much Jess talks. It's not much. Like, do you think he's told Shane anything about Rory? About their past together? Like, does she know nothing? Does she know a little? Has she just, like, seen Rory looking at her a
0: bunch around town and wondered, like, what's that girl's (laughs) deal? Yeah, I think that she doesn't know a single thing. And that's, like, Mm. the assumption that Rory has that shane knows exactly what like what's happening and she's doing it on purpose like she's (laughs) purposefully taking jess from her but shane is just like i started making out with his guy this summer who's this girl i think also that often we have the assumption in stars hollow that everybody knows everything that's happening with lorelei and rory just because Mm. they're like the town favorites Mm -hmm. but nobody knows that rory and jess kissed so like maybe at most Shane knows that they got like in that accident last school year mm. maybe. But I feel like that would be the extent of it. Yeah, cuz she could have asked her brown like
1: yeah, intel on the guy she has a crush on that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like makes it look even worse for Rory and it I was know. already a bad look for her. <laughs> yeah, she's so petty. She mm. so they come up to the counter and Rory notices it's Shane and becomes like super cold and she starts like she asks whether there's a money back guarantee and Shane you know reacts like any (laughs) customer service person would be would and Rory's like what if all her hair falls out is there a money back guarantee and Shane's like yes if all her hair falls out (laughs) you can get your money back and Mm -hmm. I love Shane in this because having worked customer service jobs there are people like that come at you with this kind of attitude and it's so hard to keep your cool Mm -hmm. especially because you don't know why and I was trying to watch all of like
1: the Shane side of the interaction because I wanted to like build a defense of her you know and it's like is there anything Rory's attitude does she have any kind of like ammunition against Shane and I think the only thing I was kind of like miffed about in Shane's attitude is when Lane is so like exuberant and excited and she tells Shane like isn't it a great day and Shane's just like <laughs> it's super sarcastically she has like a very sarcastic tone mm-hmm. but again like that's the smallest thing I could find and I think it's very fair to be like That she'd be so thrown off by Lane's very, like, kind of manic sort of energy (laughs) in the scene. Like, this is a very mundane exchange for Shane, but for Lane, it's, like, a life-changing moment. So I really don't think Rory has much, like, room to justify her kind of tone now, and then especially her tone Mm -hmm. in the second scene.
0: Yeah, I agree. Poor Shane. I loved her hair in this scene also, by the way. It was, like... The curls and then like put up in a half ponytail. It looks Mm -hmm. so cute. I wish my hair curled like that.
1: (laughs) It made me think of Anastasia, you know, the animated movie. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, I love that hair.
1: It's like the exact same hairdo a little bit. And it actually did have me thinking of like, how can Shane have all of these different hairstyles? Like in Anastasia, she has long hair and then she's got short hair. And then it's like, I feel like (laughs) Shane's hair is all very different all the time, but in a good way. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, she does have all the product right there. Yeah. So next, we're back at Lane's house, and they're getting started on this this uh, hair saga. <laughs> they start putting, or Rory starts putting bleach on Lane's hair in this, like, ridiculous haphazard way. If this was yeah. really bleach, she'd get, like, the top layer, and that's it. <laughs> um, but Lane gets my Jess Sass attack here. She says, the smell of bleach is the smell of freedom. even though it's like a terrible smell and she's it's stinging her head (laughs) Mm -hmm. and earlier
1: she says like she has such catharsis and that she feels naturally high from this (laughs) whole experience which just begs the question like how does she know what being high feels like is it her imagination i guess but also a really good (laughs) lane line here
0: yeah she had so many good lanes or lines (laughs) yeah lane lines (laughs) This was giving
1: me, um, back when I was on Facebook more often, I would get into this like black hole of videos about Brad Mondo reacting to bleaching gone wrong. (laughs) Did you ever watch those? No. It was just like an algorithm thing. It just gave me video after video of like a kind of like a hairstylist YouTuber reacting to girls like ruining their hair. That's what I was thinking about in this scene. And They do show her hair as, like, very stringy from the bleach. Like, kind of like straw later on they compare it to. But I feel like they would have, like, hurt her hair a lot more. But I don't know. We've already said it's not quite realistic. I should just (laughs) allow it to be a given that, you
0: know, it's just... It is what it is. (laughs) Yeah. I think with, like, black hair like hers, it it would probably take a couple bleach sessions to get it light enough to dye like that. That's what I thought. Though, I don't know. Things have also changed in the last... 15 years or so since I dyed my hair. <laughs> well, yeah, since I dyed my hair like that. <laughs> uh but this
1: scene is like rather comedic. I think Lane and Rory both have funny moments here. Lane is like just reciting her inner monologue to try to distract herself from the pain. Um Rory is just like trying to do her best. Um ultimately though, Rory is like gasping for fresh air. So <laughs> she opens the window like sticks her head outside. Lane is like, what should I do? So Rory tells her to run around the block, which she actually does. And this is related to our Star's Hollow moment from earlier. Very comedic of her just running in circles in the
0: street for some reason. Someone honks at her. It's very good. <laughs> it's also kind of amazing how Lane manages to keep up her secret life when stuff like this happens True. like out in public. Nobody told Mrs. Kim that they saw Lane running around the town square with bleach in her hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure Taylor would have mentioned it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so after this, uh, we see the bleach washed out and we get this like straw colored blonde hair wig. And Rory again just starts like putting the color on the top. <laughs> like you you need to kind of section out the hair, you know, do it from from root to tip it doesn't work like this um but during this we also rory starts to ask about dave and how he and lane are doing um uh, or and lane refuses uh to kind of even initially consider him as a romantic object mm-hmm. because of the track record in bands of people dating together and then going bad like you know fleetwood mac and that kind of stuff yeah
1: it's a real concern
0: but finally lane admits that she is in love with uh, dave which we all knew from the very beginning
1: (laughs) but i love that she goes to that level of like in love so quickly you know it's not just like oh i have feelings for him she's like i'm in love i've never Mm -hmm. felt this way before (laughs) yeah And then she starts to bring up, like, oh, it's just like you and Dean. And Rory is so (laughs) stone-faced. And she pauses. (laughs) I know. The subtext is, once again, just the text. It reminded me of her conversation with Paris, where Mm -hmm. she's helping Paris get ready. Like, very much the same. Like, oh, we get another reminder that Rory has these internal feelings of guilt because... Lane's whole point is like well you and Dean like he knows you love him you know he loves you it's so mutual you're so lucky
0: and it's like it's not so mutual (laughs) anymore. (laughs) It's so amazing how little Rory like reflects on her own she only seems to be thinking about this stuff when other people are bringing it up because if she had you know self-reflected on this by herself And thought seriously on it. Maybe the conversation in the last episode with Dean would have gone differently. Where Dean, like, gave her an easy out. (laughs) And she didn't take it. She, like, insisted that they could still be together. It's just... Mm -hmm. She's so... It's so frustrating. Yeah. Like, just admit it. It's also so interesting that she
1: doesn't seem to confide in anyone about this. Mm -hmm. Like, she could have taken this yeah. opportunity to talk to Lane to like confess how she's feeling we know Lane wouldn't judge her but it's like Rory is so ashamed or trying to put up a front even with her best friend which is pretty sad when you mm-hmm. don't feel like for some reason she just isn't being totally truthful <clears throat>
0: with herself or with Lane or even Lorelai it's really a problem yeah <laughs> it's so sad because that's like especially you know like in high school or when you're dealing with relationships that's what friends are like that's a big part of what friends are for is to like yeah think through all these weird emotions and stuff with somebody who can give you feedback (laughs) i know i feel sorry for her and frustrated by her (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly
1: (laughs) moving forward we get the big hair reveal finally which is the second Mm -hmm. wig it's like bright purple (laughs) this is actually yeah, I my it. gazebo moment um just because it's so iconic like I really do wish Lane could have kept the purple a bit longer but mm-hmm. part of what is so entertaining about it is how fleeting it is like that <laughs> it's just a single moment and you hear the door open downstairs Mrs. Kim coming home and Lane immediately like loses all rebellious confidence and is like I immediately need to put it back it's very funny um <laughs> It's clearly a wig, but like, that's kind of what makes it so charming. But the color like looks great on her, I feel like. And she poses for a picture, so like she'll always have this sort of Polaroid picture and memory as like, she made a sand even if it was for just an afternoon, you know? It still like strengthens her own sense of self and her own independence Mm -hmm. and identity. So like, she can kind of hold on to that photo as she's trying to go through this college application
0: process, I guess. (laughs) The wig was my Light's closet for pretty Mm. much the same reasons. I really wish that she, like, once the band starts performing, that she went and got an actual wig this color and wore it for performances. Right. That would have been so cool. But, yeah, I loved the the bright color. It did look really good on her also. And Mm -hmm. the little Polaroid. And, like, when the door (laughs) opens downstairs... Her face looks like she's just seen death. <laughs> like there's it's so funny. The, just like the fear, like the blood drains from her face, that whole trope and everything. And then she sends Rory out the window to go and get black hair dye to dye it back. Somehow they manage to do that all before Mrs. Kim comes to see her wherever she is. <laughs> and at the shop. We get the second interaction with Shane so Rory goes and gets the hair dye and then Shane is on the phone. I wasn't sure who she was on the phone with. Part of me was like is she on the phone with Jess or a friend but Mm. it's I think probably a friend talking about Jess. I'm not really sure. (laughs) I definitely think it was Jess personally. Oh really? Yeah
1: like She's, like, giggling, and then she says she's lost something at his place. Oh, yeah, And then she says, like, you're not really looking for it. Whatever. I'll get a new one. And then she's asking, like, what are they going to do tonight? She's feeling bloaty from eating too much. Sad. Um, Body politics there. (laughs) And then he makes fun of her for saying the word bloaty. That it's not a real word, which definitely sounds like something Mm -hmm. Jess would say. Yeah. I kind of wondered what she lost And what she could just buy a new one of, like a hair scrunchie or something. Yeah. I don't know if it's a big Mm -hmm. deal.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Rory overhears this. And I think she she probably also thinks it's dress. I'm not entirely sure. But she's super rude to Shane. Like, she interrupts the phone call, which, granted, Shane should have seen her coming up to the counter and be like, I'll talk to you later. Mm-hmm. but rory was so rude about it and then as she's walking away she also goes on about how bloaty is not a word we just talked about this another episode <laughs> ago about how words yeah, are made that's true <laughs> etymology <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and but i don't think that shane hung up the phone i think she just put it down so it was just hearing this whole Ugh. like blow up from rory like that's such that uh, i don't know rory was just so mean it was just such a bad such a bad look
1: Yeah, like, yeah, it's just her, the level of her reaction is just so uncalled for. Because you can be like, yeah, Shane should have, like, taken her order. Clearly, Rory was standing there. But, like, that doesn't just justify her level of response, which is to be, like, passive-aggressive. She says, I'm growing a beard here, to imply she's waiting so long for Shane. And then she's very, like, huffy and puffy. She... Points out that Shane wasn't on a business call, which is such like a It's such a Karen thing to do. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. she says it's unfreaking believable, um, <laughs> the level of service, and I don't know. It's just she also then impersonates Shane at the end of the exchange too, and this like high voice. And I, I wonder where she got that from. Yeah, mm-hmm. Lorelai. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Overall, just really, like, what an
0: act of aggression that probably felt so random to Shane. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. It's, like, no wonder that Shane then doesn't like Rory. But, of course, Rory's going to think that Shane doesn't like her because Jess likes Rory. And she's, like, Rory's going to make it this whole, like, in her mind, this whole thing that is not related to how Rory has actually treated Shane. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But to Rory's own, like, perceived slights from Shane and Jess, it's just ridiculous. It's also just, (sighs) Rory has clearly never had a job. Like, (laughs) that's just so mean to treat somebody like that at their job. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that. It's like, I
1: think every other character except Rory works. Mm -hmm. You know? I don't know. It's just like, yeah, Rory is so out of touch.
0: Yeah. And so, like, not in solidarity with workers at all here, clearly. <laughs> Seriously. The most she ever does is do that card swiping job at Yale, and she does a terrible job of it. I think we only see her do it, like, <laughs> once, and it's bad.
1: <laughs> but Does she work at the bookstore, like, for a summer?
0: Yeah, or... but I don't think she ends up doing any work. She just buys all the books. <laughs> the best
1: kind of employee. Which is understandable. Helps them make yeah. money.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well,
1: the episode wraps up. All of the characters are kind of about town on the the square. Lane and Rory chatting about this whole experience. Lane is back to her normal hair somehow. They mention, like, oh, we still got to find a solution for that problem, um, which is the band practice. Also, this is when Shane and Jess walk by. Lane and Rory... I thought this was a good use of like parallel dialogue here where mm-hmm. Shane sees Rory and says Jess, that girl's a freak which we talked about at the start of the episode and like same dialogue different meaning a lot more justified in my opinion and just doesn't really say anything he kind of just looks at Rory and I like your point of like did he overhear that entire yeah. conversation God. because if so he probably was kind of like hmm, you might not be
0: wrong <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> oh, wow I also love that they talk about how Lane's hair is still technically dyed, so she is still Mm. rebelling. It's very important. (laughs) I do like that.
1: Lorelai meets up with Rory here, says, can we go to Al's instead of Luke's? Because Al is doing a salute to Jamaica or something, apparently. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's true, or is there a deeper meaning? Is she avoiding Luke? I
0: wasn't sure, because... They parted on good terms. Yeah. Yeah, I think think it was random. Yeah. She also tells Rory that she loves her little fluke, which (laughs) I thought was cute. (laughs) Um, And that's, yeah, that's the end of the episode. We definitely had a lot Mm. to talk about. Who was your MVP? My
1: MVP was Shane. Oh, (laughs) for all the reasons we already said. I don't think I need to go into too much more detail, but I was fully on Shane's side of things this episode, so I wanted to give her a shout out.
0: Who was your MVP? Mine was Lane. We got Shane and Lane. (laughs) Um, Oh, good. (laughs) Yeah, I I just loved Lane's, like, rebellion, even if it Mm -hmm. didn't last long. I'm all for asserting your independence. But also, like, she has a different relationship with her parents than I did at her age. So I can understand why keeping the dyed hair was not in her best interest. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I loved it. I'm excited to see where the band goes. Yeah, me too. Yeah. All right. Well, Well, let's talk soon.
1: Yeah, talk soon. Thanks for listening to Talking Fast,
0: a Gilmore Girls podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share us with your friends. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And join the conversation
1: by emailing us your thoughts, talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com.